Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a book podcast for parents, teachers, and writers, and anyone who loves to read. I'm Heather Kaufman Peters. I'm the mother of one adult son, a preschool teacher, and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet. I'm the mom of two boys. I'm a teacher and a writer. Welcome to episode 82. But before we begin, I think it's important that we um, issue a graphic content warning. What? This is supposed to be our kid-led episode. But I mean, we're doing graphic novels. So technically, we will have graphic content. (laughs) Wait, I thought I was supposed to be the dork and you're supposed to be the funny one. What's going on? (laughs) I I always wanted to be able to issue graphic content warnings. I'm just, I just always my whole life, like ever since uh, Tipper Gore started with that whole like graphic content thing on rap CDs. Actually, it was cassettes back in the day. I've always thought that somewhere in my work, it should be worthy of a graphic content label. Okay. I want to do it today. All right. You got it out of your system. Technically, it's graphic content. Oh, my gosh. You are a dork. Thank you, Kipper. <laughs> I am. I'm a child. <laughs> and that's why you love me. Oh, it is. We're both dorks at heart. That's why we love each other and why we're friends. Uh, so I'm assuming then that you actually, for once, enjoyed our topic. You're not a crank about the kids' books we read this week? <laughs> well, I think it's important to understand that I quickly learned when I dove into this graphic world, it is so full of dystopian literature. And you know, I'm so here for the end of the world. I mean, come on. No, what's better than dystopian comic books, ultimately? The crazy thing for me was I ended up reading a bunch of realistic fiction and I loved it. Loved it. I give you the out. I give you the out. I'm like, here, go <laughs> find all the fairies and unicorns you want. And you're like, mm, no, I'll take the uh, moving literature. Thanks. I, I Don't say I didn't try. I'm just saying. I don't know how I ended up with realistic fiction comics, but I did. And they were fantastic. So I don't know what to say about that or where to go with it, but that's just what happened. (laughs) Nice. So before we start, what's new on the tundra? There's no tundra here anymore. I wish there was snow. We've only had nasty rain and cold weather. But it's gray because Indiana's gray. It has been gray for months. We all are downing our vitamin D like there's no tomorrow. Indiana is so depressing in the wintertime. So depressing. Literally. I remember when a friend of mine was like, because it's gray. And I looked around. I'm like, oh, my God, that's exactly what it is. It's just gray. January and February are the worst times to live in Indiana because there's nothing but gray. I mean, we've literally had 30 days of gray, which it's hard. That plays on you. Even at the preschool, the kiddos are like dragging their little feet, not really acting like themselves. And it's crazy. And then on top of that, we have actually three teachers. And then there's me, who's very part time. So that I'm the fourth. Two teachers are out with the flu, like bad flu. And it's going around. So it's just been like kind of a crazy January anyway, because of all that. But I guess on the bright side, the sunshine side, which we don't have, is uh, everyone's probably aware, but all the kids' books awards are out right now. Have you looked at any of those? I mean, you act like I read something besides smut. I mean, I have like five <laughs> hey, minutes I thought a I was day a smut reader. to read anything. And, no, I read like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to BuzzFeed and see what the celebrity trash is happening. Or like, <laughs> oh, you wouldn't believe this. But like, that's where my five minutes at the end of the day. You're goes. on Reddit. I mean, God bless me. I wish I was like... <laughs> I wish I was like, oh, let me please double check the Newbery Award winners. No, I'm like, wait, who wore what to the Met Gala? Like, ah, like, oh, for God's sakes, who's sleeping with who? Well, that's trash. That's where I like to spend my time. 
because all I do is work otherwise. All right. Please enlighten us because you are far less here than <laughs> Well, me. I was just going to say the, the Prince Awards for Teens are out, the Newberry Awards for Children's Books, and the Call the Cat Awards for Picture Books are out. So if you want to know, like, you know, what the judges think are the best books for last year, you can go check those out. And then obviously later in this book chat, we'll be talking about what's popular. <laughs> so those things don't always go hand in hand. Speaking of what's popular, I got myself into a giant K-hole the other day because I started reading a book with one of my adult classes called Reality Television. Or excuse me, uh, what's it called? I can't remember the name. But anyway, they all thought it would be great to read this book about reality television to kind of understand American culture better. Oh. I had to explain reality television from the real world to the real housewives to a bunch of very, very well-educated Chinese women. And I never felt so stupid in my whole life. And they literally were like, you watch a show about people that get married before the other person leaves prison. I do, religiously. (laughs) It's the only show I watch. And they were like, could you tell us more about this? As, As I'm explaining all these different types of reality television shows to these people who are like, what is wrong with America? I suddenly was like, we are not that bright. We as a country have really come down. We have really lost it. We all stand slack jawed at the train wreck of our reality. And this morning I was just looking through this, this week's chapter for the love of God. I have to talk about the bachelor. I have to now explain the bachelor to because they read the chapter and they're like, I don't get it. Uh, could you help me with this show? So now I have to give you a little bit of history. Like last week, I was giving them the history of the real world. Like where did the real world and showing them clips and everything <laughs> from this is what the real world was because it was technically the first real reality television. Oh my show. gosh, we were addicted to that. Yeah, yeah. So now I have this week. I'm I'm talking about The Bachelor. Last week, we talked about 90 Day Fiance, and we all know that's my jam. Well, it's a good thing you're an expert on all of this, actually. They got the right person. I I mean, and I'm not (laughs) even as bad. I think about like, I'm like, I only have like a couple shows that I'm addicted to. Love After Lockup, of course, being number one. And you start to go through the lists of research, like what are some of the popular ones? My God, we don't watch anything in America but reality television. It's insane. It is mm-hmm. so endemic to our culture. That- well, I think COVID too really pushed it out there because that it was one of the few things they could do without yeah. and the, and the writer strikes. strikes. Yeah. The one before that started this whole mess back in the early 2000s really started this mess, late 90s, early 2000s. That's what got us into this mess. And then this most recent one, we were like, well, we know what to do when we don't have any writers. And here we go again. So yeah. Anyway, so you can go on and you can read the Call the Cut Awards and you can talk <laughs> about the Newberries. And I'm over here explaining love after lockup to a bunch of people who are like, why did I move to this country if this is what we have to deal with? <laughs> Meanwhile, love after lockup. Love it. Enjoy. You should tune in. We TV. Go check out all seven seasons. <laughs> What's the one that you used to talk about all the time with the uh, girl who is in like beauty pageants, a little girl? Was the little oh, honey, girl? Boo-boo. honey Boo Boo. <laughs> honey Boo Boo's mother. Mama June, Honey Boo Boo's mother has her own show now, but it's even too much of a train wreck for me. I mean, Honey Boo Boo's graduating from high school and her mother wow. lost custody and oh, they could go on and on and on. I honestly, it's too depressing for me. That's because you're not watching Love After Lockup. If you watch one so episode sad. of Love After Lockup, you're like, wow, my life could be worse. And that's literally like the thesis of this book is to why people watch reality television. Oh, to make because themselves like, feel better. It could be worse. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's really interesting. But that's when I get sad because I feel like we're entertaining ourselves with people who are at the lowest points in their lives. Uh, did we not feed Christians to the lions or whatever that one was? I mean, <laughs> it literally is in our DNA. We started that way. It only has come full circle. But except now, instead of feeding them to the lions, we just put them on television to be mocked. <laughs> anyway, so let's talk dystopian. We can talk reality television all day, but you know, there's other podcasts that do that. All right. On to the graphic content. Yes, you did it. You joined me. Yes. <laughs> let's get started. All right, welcome to the Tulip Mamas Book Chat for the second episode of 2024. So we chose um, a variety of graphic novels. I chose a respectable three because I have some limitations in my life. My comrade here was Psycho. And how many did you choose? Seven million? Eight million? What'd you get? She's sending me pictures constantly. Like, this is what I'm doing. Oh, wait, no. Here's my cart. And she's like 27 <laughs> books in her cart. So how many did you end up reading? Well, I ended up reading six, but I'm only going to share four today i think start us off give us a couple okay well do you want to kind of go back and forth since we have so many and sure yeah go ahead okay the first one i'm going to share is a ya book it's called the princess and the grilled cheese sandwich by daya muniz daya is the author and illustrator um dominic bustamante i love that name did the inking and eleonora brunei did, was the colorist so i can i just say look at me i learned so much about graphic novels Same. and comics i know Same. it was so much fun and i'll talk about it a little bit more later too but uh i just love like the collaborative aspect of comics. I just think that is so cool. But anyway, so The Princess and the Grilled Cheese Sandwich is listed as middle grade, but I would say it's more YA. It just came out this year, like brand new, uh, 2024. It's a very sweet LGBTQ theme story. And it's about the Countess of Camembert. By the way, it's cheese themed. So, you know, they got I'm me there. That. Yeah, I like that. That's where my heart lives there. So I was pretty happy. Um, So it's a story of Countess Camembert, whose father is dying. And he wants to see his daughter like settled and cared for by trying. He's trying to marry her off because he's dying. And so he's worried about her. And she can't inherit his estate because she's a woman. <sighs> you know, but there's only one problem. The Countess doesn't like men. And so, <laughs> is that and, a problem though? <laughs> well, so she and her father have a discussion about this, and they devise a plan for after his death that the countess and her nanny only they'll get rid of all the staff, and she'll only keep the nanny, and they'll relocate to a city to the city where her father owns a townhome, and the countess will become the count and her father's heir. So as long as she keeps her head down and dresses as a man in public, she should be able to pull it off and live kind of a nice, quiet life with her father's income. Dun, dun, dun. There's just one problem. She gets bored. (laughs) Well, I mean, I would too. I know. Uh, She decides to take a risk of going out to this ball that's being thrown by the crown princess Brie. So the countess dresses up as Count Camembert, makes a big splash at the ball with his fashion sense. Of course, he has impeccable fashion sense and draws the attention of Princess Brie, who invites the count into her inner circle of friends. The princess and the count have brunch all the time and they're hanging out all the time and planning other fundraisers and all this stuff. And the count quickly becomes smitten with the princess. But uh, 
her life would be at risk if anyone finds out she's a girl set in this time period. Um, So the story goes on from there. And I don't want to give too much away, but it's just a very cool LGBTQ story. Um, The art is gorgeous. Like I said, I loved the cheese theme, of course. Princess and the Grilled Cheese Sandwich is about friendship. It's about love. It's about being true to yourself. And also a big message was standing up for what is right when you're in a position of power. Like the princess is uh, has to come to a decision and she is in a position of actually making change in the kingdom. So I thought that was a really cool topic to explore. I, I obviously yeah. that's probably why it's listed for middle grade because that would be an interesting topic for middle grade. But because the characters are a- adults in the story, I don't know. I guess that's why I kind of thought it was more YA. But there's nothing in it that is inappropriate for middle grade either. I just really enjoyed it. I have to say, overall, I just feel like this is where the sweet stories I've been searching for can be found. Yeah. I mean, I read so many this week and I just really enjoyed myself. Uh, I've only ever read just a few graphic novels before. And I feel like I wasn't really drawn to them even as a kid because I was always so into words. And so, you know, I thought more about books than I thought about art. Plus, I grew up in a small town. There was no comic book store. We didn't have them in the house. I just wasn't really exposed to them that much. You didn't read Archie and Veronica? No, I really didn't. I did read Ziggy when I was a kid. I was kind of obsessed with Ziggy. (laughs) Oh, I love Ziggy. I read Spider-Man and Archie and Veronica. Like, I used to read those kind all the time. I loved those. I feel like I've I've had a total awakening the last couple of weeks to graphic novels, and I get why they're so popular. The reason we decided to even talk about graphic novels is because I was talking to Margie about how last year the best sellers in the middle grade category were graphic novels. And all these series now are being converted to graphic novels like Babysitter's Club. What is that? The Wings of Fire? Is that that series? Percy Jackson. Like a ton of series are now being converted to graphic novels. They're just really popular. I have to say, like, I kept a few by my bedside and I woke up in the morning and you could read one in like an hour and a half. So in the amount of time that normally I would doom scroll through the news in the morning, I would read a graphic novel instead. Yeah. And I would just like, it was so much more of a pleasant experience. I just loved it so much. Anyway, that was The Princess and the Grilled Cheese Sandwich by Dan Muniz. Uh, Margie, what one did you read? Well, graphic novels have always been on my radar because a lot of the books from the early 2000s are now being re-released as um, graphic novels, which is really fantastic. The reason that I am such a huge proponent of graphic novels is because for kids that just really struggle with reading, they're accessible. And now you're making the same story accessible to kids like my kid who really struggle with reading and rely on the visual component to help them draw the connections that a lot of other kids can make within the book. But without the words getting in the way and jumbling things up, it makes things easier and much more enjoyable. For that, I always have loved a graphic novel. The fact that they are so massive is what's impressive. They've gotten so huge lately. I mean, all the ones I read have just come out in the last couple of years. They're huge now. And I will say I felt the less intimidating factor of graphic novels myself. Because like I said, in the morning, I'd just be like, oh, let me just pick this up and read a little bit of it. And like, I'll have it read in no time. And I didn't want to stop reading it. But it feels less intimidating to start it because it looks like an easier read. For those of you who have been listening for a while, we talk about and talk with, and sometimes we have special guest star, Uncle Johnny, who's my best friend from forever for the last 30 years. And he worked specifically in graphic novels for a really long time. 
So he came bearing gifts this year at Christmas and he brought the boys between them, I think like 10 or 11 graphic novels. Oh, that's so fun. So I kind of like weeded through because he's the guy I would call whenever the kids have been into comic books or whatever. I always just call him like, tell me what to get because there's so many choices. Same thing with graphic novels. So I didn't have to even call because he already did the work for me. The first one that I picked up was one that he brought my younger son, which Technically is middle grade, but I would easily put this in YA as well. And it's called Eve. It was written by Victor Lavalle. It was drawn by Joe Ming Guang. And it was colored by Brittany Peer. Super, super cool. Eve is our uh, main character and she is a black girl. Her father is a scientist. All right. And that's all we need to know so far. So when we started all off, Eve is in a dream. We, we gather that she's in a dream because she's somewhere in what appears to be like the Everglades. Wherever she is, there's a lot of mangroves. Let's just start there. She's in a dream. And then she, we find out she's in some kind of post-apocalyptic bunker with her father, Professor Andrews. But then she suddenly wakes up and we realize that she's actually in a suspended state in a hyperbolic chamber and she's all by herself. And she has been there for quite some time. When she comes out of the chamber, her teddy bear Wexler is right there to explain everything. And he's in robotic form. So he's kind of Wexler, kind of robo Wexler. She's like, why are you my teddy bear? And he goes, because otherwise I'd be really scary and you wouldn't listen to me. So he greets her. He explains that her father is manipulating him from space where he and a crew of scientists are trying to fix climate issues that have almost completely destroyed the earth. There's also a virus. And so her father put her in the suspended state until he was ready to use her. So he and the other scientists are manipulating everything from the safety of a space pod, if you will, for lack of a space station kind of a thing. Okay. Somehow she's like, all right, well, let's go. So off they go. And they are in New York. She is supposed to find a seed bank. She is supposed to free the mangrove seeds from that seed bank because mangroves are going to be the plant that help to regenerate the earth. That's what her job is. So now that she's old enough and now that she's ready, Wexler is going to lead her to California to find the seed bank and rescue the seeds and plant the seeds and start to regrow the planet. On the way there, she meets this group of kids. And it was so smart. Like all of the kids are living in a, oh, what do you call it? Service plaza. And all I could think of is like New Jersey. New Jersey has the greatest service plazas anywhere in the country. The Judy Bloom service plaza. They all have these great ones. So I'm like, I hope they're in Jersey. Ohio has them too. Well, the president at the time turned every, prior to this time, turned every service plaza into bunkers that have enough food and whatever in case anything ever happened. Society could go, people could go to the to the bunker or to the, excuse me, the service plaza and find like safety there. Brilliant, right? Mm-hmm. That's a smart idea. We should all do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, these kids explained to her that there's a virus and that's what really happened. It's not just the flooding and everything. There was a virus that caused an insatiable hunger in people. Ooh, people zombie were so virus. so hungry, right, that they ate everything. They ate people, they ate metal, they ate everything. And there are these people left. These mutants are still around. The thing is, this virus sets in when you hit puberty. So even the kids in the bunker know that soon they're going to have the virus. Eve learns then that she only has a limited of time because she's like 12 at that point when she comes out of the bunker or excuse me, out of the chamber. So she's going to have to get to the seeds and get the seed banks before she hits puberty and the virus takes hold of her. So she's got a lot to do in a little bit of time. We also find out that she's not the only Eve around because her father had in fact cloned her. So other Eves have already been sent on this mission and have failed. And she's the last Eve left. It was really good. It's super, super short. I mean, it had like, I mean, look, it had like 
probably less than a hundred pages. That's the thing that's amazing because it really strips back to just the story, just Just what you need to convey what you want to say. I love that. Yeah, it was a great one. That one I would highly recommend. And again, we have a main character of color. We have all of this sort of scientific edge and, and there's so many twists and turns and it just, there's so few words. There's so few words. So I told my little guy, I'm like, you got to read this one because this is really good. So does the story end or is it like going to continue on? Do you think? It has to continue because we don't know what happens. It's such a cliffhanger. Okay, cool. We have to have more. So that was my first one. What do you got next? All right. Next, I read Break by Kayla Miller, uh, who is the author and illustrator of this graphic novel. She is kind of the hotness right now. I think one of the hotnesses in graphic novels for middle grade. This is a middle grade book. This is the newest book in the series. The others are Click Camp Act Clash and Crunch. Oh, I've seen these. Yeah, they're kind of everywhere too. Um, so this one just came out January. It's middle grade book for eight to 12 year olds. I felt like break was kind of a slice of life story because it's about Olive spring break. And the beginning of this story starts with her friends discussing fun activities they'll be doing over spring break. Some of them are going camping. Some of them are doing movie marathons, sleepovers. Some are going to a way cheerleading camp while Olive has to spend the week with her estranged father. She's really nervous and angry about having to spend her break with him because he's been living outside the country since, since her parents divorced. He didn't do a very good job of keeping in touch and basically abandoned them. But now he's okay. back and he's trying to make up for lost time. He realized the error of his ways and he's really trying to make it up. So not only is Olive dealing with all of that and how she feels about her father, she's also at the same time kind of having FOMO because through social media, she's keeping tabs on all of her friends and what they're doing. You know, I'm not a fan of realistic fiction. And really in the story, it was very, like I said, kind of slice of life. Like the stakes weren't really high or anything like that. But it completely kept me reading. I even like stopped a few times to mull over what it was in the story that was keeping me compelled to read more. And I just think it was the relatability of Olive. She's totally believable as a middle grade kid. Plus the like the kindness of her friends and the actions of her father just were so interesting. And I really wanted to find out what was going to happen to all of them. Break also kind of dealt with some heavy themes like the negative impact of social media on your mental health, the problems navigating challenging parental relationships, but it was also entertaining and didn't leave me feeling like that heavy, you know, like, oh, yeah. You know, like some middle grade books are so heavy now. And I, this did not feel, I know, right. This did not feel that way at all, but yet it was also really, I mean, I even cried like at one point, it was just like such a great story. And the fact that there's a whole bunch of these, I would highly recommend them. I'm sure that they all deal with really interesting, like difficult middle grade issues, but yet in a very great way, a great rep- yeah. representative way and a great examples to kids of how to cope and how to manage these situations. Yeah, that was a break by Kayla Miller. Uh, kudos to that author illustrator because it was really enjoyable. Well, I think we also have found an answer. Because like we keep saying, like they're too deep. The books that we've been reading, like they're too much. They're too much. They're too depressing. They're too over the top. And I think this is where the books are not. Right. And this 
is where because the next one that I had is same way. Yeah. Like this is exactly what I want. And when I this is the book. And I told my little one he's starting this today. Uh-huh. I said, This is a great book. And you're gonna enjoy this book because it's just like that's the middle grade stories that the kids really want. And in every middle school classroom, the book that you were talking about, all of those Kayla Miller books, I've seen them in several middle grade classrooms, middle school classrooms, and they're the top one. There's there's the one the kids are reading because I mean we all know, yes, everything, all the injustice and all of the pain and all of the anguish, yes, they are wonderful books, but we have all that. And these kids have all that every day. They want an escape, and an escape has a happy ending. And an escape fixes my problem and it talks about my problem, but it doesn't just talk about my problem. Right. My problem is a side note to the the, the energy of the book. So I think that's really interesting. Anyway, uh, this book break because it did touch on social media, which I thought was kind of interesting because I didn't really the social media is totally in there, but I didn't really focus on that as much as I did as the parental relationship. But then at the back of the book, there's a whole section on social media and managing it and advice and tips and stuff for how to manage it. And I thought, wow, that is so helpful. I thought that was really interesting, too. So that was a great part of the book as well. All right. What is your next one then? My next one is, it's a straight up MG, like maybe lower or straight up middle G because it's just so fun. I don't think anybody's going to read it and be like, oh, that's babyish. It's definitely not babyish. (laughs) It's called Doomsday Camp um, by Joshua Hawk. It is so much fun. I kind of was like, oh, I don't know. Do I want another post-apocalyptic? I do. Always do. So Doom is our main character and Doom is a normie. And his father is the leader of their post-apocalyptic settlement. And after, quote, a toxic nuclear weather incident, make the world go kablooey. <laughs> That's what happened. I like that. Made the, make the world go kablooey. So Doom's father is part wolf, part man. He's this like sort of Grizzly Adams kind of guy. I love Grizzly Adams. Oh, my God. I can't believe you said Grizzly Adams. I love it. So his father is this like, I mean, he's everything, right? He's tough. He's mutant. He's amazing. His sister's part fox, part girl. She's also very angry, quick tempered, as her father called her. And all of the kids in this settlement, they are all also mutants, except for Doom. And Doom is the normie, but his family tries to love him anyway, even though he is just a normie. <laughs> so Doom has his best friend, Eisenhower. Eisenhower is also nerdy like Doom. And one day they discover a library. Eisenhower, it should be noted, is an army ant. <laughs> is he tiny or is he ginormous? Yeah, he, okay. No, he holds him in a shirt. Oh, he like hangs on to Doom. To Doom's I love shirt that. So Eisenhower and Doom come across this library and they are blown away that all these books exist and that these books actually teach you how to do things. So he tries to tell his father about this and he's like, no, we're starving. We don't have any food. There's books in the library that can help us solve this problem. We can read about farming. We can learn this from the library. And they're all like, oh, whatever, Normie. And his father and the rest of the people of the settlement think that Books are only good for keeping the fires burning. They're an excellent fire starter. Otherwise, they they have no purpose. Well, there is a great, let's just say, a great threat coming. So Doom's father and all of the adults from the settlement head off into the woods to sort of set up camp to fight this great threat that's coming. And they leave Doom in charge. 
And everybody's like, why would you need the normie in charge? Why, why, why? And his father's like, he's the, the least volatile because like one kid gets mad and he's made of mud and he turns into like this giant mud beast. Another one, his brain is not encased in anything. And if he thinks too much, he he can start to like manipulate the movement of everyone around him. One kid's part cloud. And if he gets too upset, then he can like bring storms. I mean, they all have these huge problems. So as a normie, Doom's the one kid who's like, pretty even keel because he can't do any of these things the only thing doom has to do to keep them safe while the adults are gone is make sure that the fires outside never die of course on the first night there the fires die <laughs> because doom <laughs> forgot so he's like guys i got a place for us we'll be safe and he takes them to the library to which they're all like what is this and they're all grossed out and they all think it's they smells like must and yeah 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 and it's dark well, Eisenhower read about how to harness fireflies. And so he lights up the place with his fireflies. And then every time they need something big done, Eisenhower calls his friends, of course, the army ants, and they can get things done in like record time. So <laughs> it's great. Anyway, all of these things keep happening. And every time some one of the kids loses it and causes some sort of giant disturbance, Doom has a book in the library that solves the problem. And slowly the kids are like, wait a minute, these books might be on to something because now he knows how to solve our problems just by reading a book. It's so fantastic. Another group of kids come and um, they have to decide whether or not to let them join them. And then they have to also see if they will let Doom remain in charge. And it's just such a great book. It was so great. The illustrations are super fun. These whole like mutant kids are awesome. There's uh, Gurgles, this like goldfish that Doom rides everywhere, this giant goldfish that he rides everywhere. And every so often he has to like put a, a little bit of water over his mouth so he can keep going. <laughs> I mean, it's it was so much fun. It's a long book. It's pretty good length, but it is so fun and so entertaining. And I would totally recommend this to a million people because it was just, it was hilarious. I really kind of want to read it. You should. And it's got a great blurb by Tom Engelberger, who is, of course, one of my guys, because he writes very similar. Remember, he wrote all this uh, Origami Yoda book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. C.C. Bell's husband. And uh, he's very much in the same vein. So I was like, oh, well, if Tom's behind it, I'm behind. It was a brilliant blurb to put on the book. <laughs> so that one's called Doomsday Camp by Joshua Hawk. And highly recommend. And then, so there's more coming. So that was the first one, and there's more coming down the way. Because nice. again, we get locked on a cliffhanger, which I love. All right. Wow, that sounds really good. I definitely want to read that one. Uh, you know me and sci-fi. I like a good sci-fi. I know. It was fun. All right. Well, the next one I read is called Animal Rescue Friends. <laughs> and it was written by um, Micah Hashimoto and Gina Loveless. And it's illustrated by Genevieve Cote. And, it, and the breakdowns were done by Axel Lenore. And this is the first book in a series. The Animal Rescue Friends came out in 2021. I would say it's lower middle grade, but I think really older middle graders would really enjoy it too. Um, it's easy read, easy to follow. Animal Rescue Friends is a collection broken down by chapters. Each chapter is a story. Each chapter has a different main character because it's all these group of friends together. And so the very first book breaks down each character's experience with the Animal Rescue Center, because they all have a different relationship to this Animal Rescue Center. And also each child or each main character is interacting with a pet of some kind. So who doesn't love a story with pets? I mean, and the Animal Rescue Friends Center is amazing. And throughout the first book, we get each of their stories. And then 
then the last, I think the last story was sort of with all of them together, which was really cool. Each story really deals with a lot of different middle grade kiddos concerns, like making new friends, social anxiety, learning to ask for help, calling out a friend's bad behavior. And then also one of my very favorite things was at the end of this first book, The Animal Rescue Friends, is a very detailed, like incredibly detailed nonfiction section about how comics are made. Oh, nice. I learned so much. I thought it was so interesting. I have to say, I have written a few scripts for comic strips. When I worked at U.S. Kids for Turtle Magazine for preschoolers, I wrote several of the comics in there that use the main characters from the magazine. And it was so much fun collaborating with like, I collaborated with the artist, with the art director and the other editor, you know, to really work on these. And it was so much fun. I mean, I didn't realize that in the era of digital art, that so many different people are still involved in the process. Mm-hmm. Like when you're working with art on paper, there were like, you have the colorist and the, the, the color, the, yeah, the, the draw, yeah. yeah. Everything, um, the illustrator. So it was cool to see that that still ha- is still happening even in the digital world. Animal Rescue Friends was so fun. Again, super quick read. That one was not very long at all. And then plus each chapter is its own story. So if you just want to read one chapter, you could probably read this to your class, easily read it in class. Yeah, which is good because it's got pictures. Everybody loves a picture. Yeah, and or easily have kids read it during class time because it would be so short and just you could even have them all read different chapters. Um, then there's also a ton more of these. All right, Margie, your turn. What did you have next? My last one. I, okay, it's not dystopian, which is let's let's just give me a moment for that. <laughs> Um, the reason I wanted to share this one is because it's it's YA and it's very boy centric. So we very seldom have boy centric YA. Um, and I so I wanted to add this to it. And this one's called World Class. Obviously, when I tell you what it's about, you'll figure out why this was my for my kids. It is by um, Jay uh, Sandlin. The art was by Patrick Mulholland, and it's coloring by Rebecca Nalty. This is about Adrian Molion. Molion, yeah, he has a chance to join the European Junior League. And leave his home country of Colombia. But to make that happen, he's going to have to go to school. He's a soccer player. The European Junior League is soccer. Oh, it? Okay, soccer mom. All right. So the scout sets him up with a full scholarship to this prep school in London. And he's off. But soon realizes that that school is very snobby. And he is not. So this is not his world in any way, shape, or form. And he's a little bit nervous. Also, the team at the school already has a striker, and he's a striker. The kid who was the striker is not about to give his position up to this kid who happens to not only be foreign, but he's also poor with no power. It's very drama-ridden. You know what Uh, I mean? It's very high school drama, very sort of 90210 in the soccer world of England. Think about it that way. Adrian kind of loses his confidence. And then Luciano is the midfielder, which is a little bit further over from the striker, if you will, in the setup. And he decides to take Adrian under his wing and he teaches Adrian not only how to get along and how to sort of make his mark, but he also teaches him like how to see what he really has to offer. That being poor and being foreign isn't necessarily a bad thing in this situation. So that was just a little quick blurb on this one because there's twists and turns. And of course, there's love interests and there's romance and there's all of the things. So that's YA then you said, right? It is definitely YA. Yeah. And it's definitely kind of it's got that sort of uh, Riverdale feel to it, like Riverdale soccer. That's sort of what it is. So I wanted to just add that to point out that there are things for older kids. There are things that are also for the more kind of 
quote unquote mainstream kid um, in the world of YA and they're boy centric things that are not superhero related because we oftentimes get a lot of like fantasy superhero and things like that is what we kind of think of a lot of times with graphic novels. And that's not always the case because there's, it's very intentious other stuff. Yeah. Sports stories are really popular with kids. So that makes sense that there would be sports themes for sure. Yeah. I like it. So that one was called world class. And that was just a quick one. I wanted to add at the end. What else you got? You got a couple more. Okay. I'm going to do just one more because I'm going to draw the line, but (laughs) I kind of say my favorite one for last is called ghosts by Raina Telgemeier. I've seen this one everywhere. Uh, It's been everywhere. Well, Raina is also just like Kayla Miller, the hotness in middle grade graphic novels. So um, she's the author illustrator on ghosts and she also has done like drama is one of her other ones and the smile series which smile that that's super popular smile and guts and i forget what they all are and they're a little bit older so they they were out like five six years ago she started sort of getting popular so this is yeah the new ghost, one, right? uh let's see this one ghost came out in 2022 i can't remember if drama is more is newer drama's earlier oh is it okay so yeah, so Ghost came out in 2022. I'm sure she probably has newer ones out too, but you'll know why I picked this one. <laughs> so out of all of her graphic novels, I chose it because it is a cool Day of the Dead story, which we love on this podcast. We are always talking about Day of the Dead, but it's about a small town that holds a party for all the ghosts that visit on the Day of the Dead. How fun is that? So the main character is Katrina, and she's new to the town. Her family has moved. It's a coastal northern California town, and they've moved there because her little sister Maya is sick. Kat isn't happy about the move, but the sea air is supposed to be good for her sister's cystic fibrosis. Then she and her little sister discover that the town is famous for ghosts. And Kat is really afraid of this idea. She's afraid of the ghosts. Uh, They meet a new kid who he gives them a tour of the town and he tells them about the ghosts. And she thinks he's just crazy. So she tries to avoid him after that because she's afraid of the ghosts and she doesn't want to know anything more about it. But her little sister, on the other hand, who has a degenerative disease basically becomes completely obsessed with learning more about the ghosts because she wants to understand the afterlife That's better. Great, great. Oh my link. gosh, it's yeah. so interesting. Again, you're dealing with some heavier themes, you know, with the sick sister and moving and all that kind of normal middle grade stuff. But it's just such a sweet and touching story. And you know, I love anything with ghosts. So I was totally sold on it. I've been thinking about it a lot afterwards. I just love this book so much or this graphic novel so much and the art was beautiful I I can't even say enough about graphic novels right now so (laughs) and I really worried what we wouldn't be able to talk about them because honestly graphic novels the name says it all like how do you talk about picture books but the stories are so rich that I can sit here and tell you exactly what happens in the book and you can go read the book and I have spoiled nothing. That's what I love about it. You know, because you haven't seen. Yeah, you haven't seen the images, right? I know. And don't worry, we did not give you all this. No, we didn't anyway. Didn't tell you everything that's going to happen in the book. But so I just in general would highly recommend and everyone going out and grabbing a few graphic novels and just find out for yourself what you've been missing. I mean, they're everywhere now. And also, like you were saying earlier, you know, teachers, it's perfect for that because you know, a lot of teachers require kids to read for 15 or 20 minutes a day. And this is perfect. You could get through so much of a book in that amount of time. Your kid would have such a sense of accomplishment. And also there's that 
factor of them not being very intimidating to start. You open it, you don't see so many words, so it doesn't feel intimidating. And the pictures really help guide you. And I don't know about you, but all the books that I, or all the graphic novels I read were pretty easy to follow because sometimes that can be tough to follow the art. And if there's, you know, different words out of context in different places, but all the ones that I read, I felt were super easy to follow. So I didn't have any problems with that at all. The first one I had, it was a little bit more difficult to follow. And the the art was a little bit more graphic on the first one, Eve. That's why I said it would be better for some older kids. I have to say that in world class, it's got more of the drawing is a little bit more anime-esque. So it's got like very curvaceous broads. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like everybody's very muscular. You know how like everybody's got super muscles everywhere. For that, I think is probably why it's more for an older crowd. Yeah. But, um, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, well, that wraps up our graphic content, quote unquote. Thank you. Thank you, Tipper Gore. Are you happy, Tipper Gore, wherever you are? She's still alive. And guess what? Your graphic content did not work. We are an entire generation that grew up with potty mouths. We grew up with a very, very, very unbreakable fondness for rap and Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg became our leader, followed directly by Eminem. I mean, some of the biggest potty mouths in the business. It didn't work, Tip. I'm sorry. We're a bunch of rebels. We are. It didn't work. Sorry. All right. Thanks for joining us this week. Um, on the next episode, we're going to be doing some new releases for grownups, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to be reading The Heiress by Rachel Hawkins. Oh, I saw that. I read the description. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm reading it. Oh, good. I'm reading The Fetishist by Catherine Min. It's good. It's good. I like it. But I was also want, wanted to ask you if we could throw in some picture books while we're at it, because I feel really out of touch with the picture book world. When I saw the Caldecott winners, I had no idea who those were. I was just wondering you if you would help me. A, you can start. No, I will not, because I have to watch trash TV at that point. <laughs> can I come up with a few picture books to talk about on the next episode? Yes. Here's what we'll do. Okay. You, when we start off next time, you will take the classy side of things and talk about Caldecott winners and all of the books that you um, feel like need to be called out. Okay. And I will highlight some of the new, especially one that I'm dying to watch, Pregnant Behind Bars. <laughs> I will highlight some of the new trash television because isn't it all about a yin and yang? Isn't it? Isn't it about here? Let me give you education. I am Heather. And here, the educator, who is I, will give you trash. We are the black and the white, the blonde and the brunette, the the award-winning literature, and the bottom of the barrel reality television. Cover all of our bases that way. Okay, let's do it. That sounds fun. (laughs) Now I can't wait. We like to reach the masses. That's what I'm saying. We want to give something for everyone. All right, so we're going to have... Picture books, trash TV, and grown-up brand new releases. Right. <laughs> it's a cacophony of festivities. <laughs> I love it. We will be entertaining, if nothing else. Okay. That's what you get to look forward to for our next episode, listeners. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode, our graphic content episode. And uh, if you'd like to join us again, which who knows at this point, you probably don't. Probably actually, <laughs> but, probably more people will join us at that. <laughs> please subscribe to the Tulip Mamas podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. And if you've got a friend that's a little bit weird, just like us, <laughs> send them our way. <laughs> send them <laughs> our way. And if you want to find out what's happening in our world, you can follow us on Tulip Mamas podcast, TWO, Tulip Mamas podcast on Instagram, TWO, Tulip Mamas on Facebook, and of course on our website, www.tulipmamas.com. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.